This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is 790 Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. Your official preseason show of the Houston Astros. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713-212-5790. That's 713-212-5790. Goals win championships. It's a lot of work, a lot of commitment. Live from Duffy's Sports Grill in West Palm Beach, Florida, this is 790 Astroline. And greetings from Duffy's Sports Grill of Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach. Another edition of Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company. I'm Astros radio broadcaster Robert Ford. And pleased to be joined this week by the manager of the Houston Astros, about to start his third season, A.J. Hanch. Good to see you, A.J. Thank you. Thank you. I like all the Astros fans out at Duffy. Yeah, a lot of folks. Pretty, uh, pretty good showing. A lot of folks making the trip down. It's a spring break week for a lot of people in Houston, so a lot of Astros fans. Uh, and the more people at the games now to get yeah. to see the beautiful ballpark. Good yeah, crowd today. Yeah, nothing against Central Florida, but South Florida draws a lot more people down to spring training. Uh, families, friends, uh, fan, fans, everybody wants to come down to, to South Florida, get a little piece of the weather. We, we've got five facility or five teams that are within 20 or 30 miles of each other, so it's a really cool time. It is, and, I mean, the new complex, I mean, everybody's just been raving about it. It's funny, Jeff Bagwell, who's in camp, was talking with the media the other day, and someone asked him, hey, do you, what do you, how does this kind of <laughs> complex compare to Kissimmee? And Bagwell, come on, come yeah, on. Like, we're spoiled. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're spoiled. we got a little bit of everything there, and it's nice to – uh, to have an updated and upgraded facility to uh, to maximize our time here. We're only here for six weeks. It'll be a year-round facility for some of our younger kids. So right. uh, the big league team takes over most of the facility for the time being, but, uh, but it'll be really nice for our entire organization. So the Astros played today against the Mets, lost 2-1. to one. I don't want to talk about the game yet. i got to talk about what happened before the game today. <laughs> because, you know, through spring training, a lot of people may not be aware. So we're going to explain how this works. So you, there's a morning meeting every day. Right. And, you know, all the players in camp are in the meeting, you, coaching staff. Right. Uh, all in, in the morning meeting every single day. And you go over kind of the plan for the day, right? Right. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you want to try and mix things up. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're doing this every day for six weeks. You, you want to change things up. And so... Sometimes you have special guests come in. I know you had an right. astronaut that came in a few days yep. ago. Uh, but uh, today you had a group that's actually well-known in baseball called Radical Reality right. that came into the clubhouse today. They've been doing this for years. Donnie Moore, longtime chaplain for the Oakland A's, motivational speaker. He leads this group. And they do all sorts of, like, I guess, what's the best way to put it? Feats of strength? Sure. Yeah, they're, well, they're, they're enormously strong human beings, and they and they have a powerful message. And they back it up with some powerful things. So... Uh, if anybody's seen some of the the videos online, you know, I, I just something different for our players. But we and we tore tore a few phone books apart. Uh, we've we saw some 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 bars being bent. We saw uh, a guy run through a two by four 
Uh, they broke a few cinder blocks, one of them on my chest. So, on your chest? Yep, that was an experience I'd never had before with a sledgehammer. So, uh, You're braver than I really am. cool stuff. Yeah, there were a lot of players that were begging to hold the sledgehammer <laughs> um, with, with me with having the cinder block on my chest. But what, what we do in the mornings is there's a little bit of baseball, there's a little bit of camaraderie uh, before we go out on the field. And I've learned over the last couple of years this team really responds to that. And when you're around for 47 consecutive days, it's hard to be around anybody 47 consecutive days, right. let alone, you know, 40 or 50 players. Uh, so I try to keep their attention. We're going to have a shooting contest in the next couple of days in honor of March Madness. Uh, I've done some fun things, and, and players get get engaged with it. A lot of the younger players get to introduce themselves to a, to a collection of big leaguers. That's a fun a fun time for those guys. So uh, pretty good team building time, and then we get to some baseball. And then when we hit the field, we're all ready to practice yeah the rookie introductions that's something you started doing your first year and without getting into the content who has had the best introduction of the rookies this year who's done the so best Tyson job? Perez is a right-handed uh, reliever who missed a year of Tommy John mm-hmm. uh, but his dad is a famous rodeo uh, roper right out in so, California yeah, yep. out of California Northern California so um, I knew he had some tricks to him and and uh uh, so as we got to got introduced to that, you know, I had a couple of the players buy him a, loss, a lasso, and and then they bought Javier Bracamani, our bullpen catcher, an outfit that looked like a steer, and then he had to rope him in the middle of the meeting. So a uh, little bit of fun for everybody. Tyson got to give us a little bit of background on what the his dad's like in the, like in the Rodeo Hall of Fame. So yeah, uh, really cool time for him to talk about his dad. He got to t- teach us a little bit about roping, and then uh, and then we hit the field. Talking with Astros manager A.J. Hanch. I'd like to remind you, single-game tickets for the 2017 Houston Astros season are on sale now. Get your opening day tickets to Minute Maid Park against the Seattle Mariners. April 3rd, the first game. That series April 3rd through the 6th. Other incredible matchups include games against the Yankees, Red Sox, and the division rivals, the Texas Rangers. For a complete season schedule and ticket information, visit Astros.com or call 1-877-9ASTROS. Talking with Astros manager A.J. Hanch. And uh, today's game, Lance McCullers... Second appearance of the spring, have him on an individualized throwing program. So this was all part of the plan. Uh, looked really good against the Cardinals, and uh, I thought looked pretty good against the the uh, Mets today. What were your thoughts on McCullers? Well, I love seeing McCullers on the mound. Uh, first yeah. off, he's a he's a big part of what you know. I've been asked some more questions about McCullers and Keuchel's health than anything this spring, and and rightfully so because when they're right, we're right, and and our rotation has been the biggest question going into camp. From a health standpoint, can we be intact? So uh, seeing him on the mound today was good. He had 60 pitches in, in, in three innings, which is a lot. Uh, but getting him up and down three times is a big deal. Really one bad pitch to Cespedes with a home run, uh, which is, you know, from a manager standpoint, it's fine to do it this time of year. He learns a little bit yeah. about the changeup, and he's working on a few things. But uh, all in all, when I see him throwing in the mid-90s, he's throwing his breaking ball for a strike. Um, it's, 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 it's right, all, all's right in the world. I'll sleep better tonight knowing that, that he pitched well and, and he's healthy. The changeup you mentioned, and he—I thought he used it quite a bit, or more than I often see him doing in the game against St. Louis. We saw him use it to to effect today when he got in a little bit of trouble, and that's—I mean—that when you can use your third pitch like right. that, that's that's a big key. Yeah, we'll see if it carries into the season. I give him a hard time saying, "I know in the season you're just going to go right to that breaking ball. You throw it like 60 percent of the time." But, yeah, uh, he's testing it out a little bit now, and it's a good pitch for him. Uh, he's becoming more of a complete pitch. He, he looks a little different if you look at his arm action, his delivery, some right. subtle things that he's doing to, to try to, to stay healthy. But uh, all in all, when, when, when Lance is on the mound, uh, we have a real chance to win. And, and our team knows it. He knows it. He comes with a lot of confidence. And he's one of the 
one of the rising stars in, as on the pitching side of, of, of the big leagues. Now, talking about the pitching, also Dallas Keuchel getting on the mound. He was also in an individualized throwing program, and uh, you know, he has an appearance under his belt. Uh, Pretty, pretty pleased with what you saw from, from Dallas. It certainly looked like he, you, he certainly had the movement we're used right. to seeing. Yeah, he did. He had, he had a nice outing. You know, anytime you put uh, a guy in a game, I don't care how good you are, how many times you've been doing this, the first time you're in a game is a little bit different. Uh, but we saw, him, we saw him competing again, which, which is something that, you know, there's a transition from the rehab until the games. And, and we're using spring training as that transition. But uh, when you take the screens away, you put an umpire out there, you get an opponent team, you start to see the uptick. You know, he'd only been throwing in the mid-80s in his in his workouts on the backfields. You put right. him on the stadium field, and all of a sudden the 89-90 comes back. His natural movement comes back. So, um, you know, Dallas being on the mound makes for a formidable rotation with Dallas being healthy, McCullough's being healthy, Morton's throwing great. Uh, we finally got Fires and, and McHugh back on the mound. So things are trending the right way. Yeah, you mentioned Fires and McHugh. They both pitched uh, in a live batting practice today. Right. McHugh, he's been dealing with what he calls a, a dead arm. Fires had the, uh, the the hamstring issue that led to him getting scratched from from his last start. Pretty pleased with what you saw from those two guys today. Yeah, we need to we need to get going a little bit. You know, McHugh yeah. hasn't pitched in a game yet, and, and and you know he was the healthy one coming into spring. Right. Gordon coming off an injury. Right. Uh, he and Fires were both really healthy. So uh, and Musgrove, who's going to pitch tomorrow. So it, you know we we've got bodies to, to to combat a few of these delays or a few of the. Uh, of the unknowns, but you want your best pitchers being available, being on the mound, and 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 those three guys, namely Keuchel, McCullers, and McHugh, uh, were our rotation in the playoffs in 2015. So that tells you how important they are. Now, it's the first time today was the first time McHugh actually faced hitters with the, the live BP session, and, and everybody talks about how long spring training is, but at some point, time starts to become more of a, a finite sort of thing when you talk about spring training. Is is the target still? Opening day rotation for McHugh. Yeah, I mean, we're cutting it close. I mean, yeah. he's he's only got a few starts where he's gonna he's gonna pitch in the minor leagues in a couple days, um, and then and then he'll start to get on that every five day program. You just do simple math, and it says he's got about four appearances before uh-huh. before we have to make a decision on whether he's ready or not. So uh, we don't have much room for error. We don't have room for a for a uh, for a rain delay. We don't have we don't, yeah. we don't have any room for any sort of setback of not being able to get to his maximum pitches. Uh, but all's on track now. I think we'll know a little bit more as he gets into the, the two and three and four inning outings is the hurdle the pitchers need to clear in order to get ready for the season. And you mentioned Charlie Morton. He's been throwing great Crazy this good. spring. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the good sinker. We've seen the velocity get into the mid-90s, which is something that hasn't always been the case for Charlie Morton. And I'd imagine you have to be pretty happy with, with everything you've seen from him to this point. Yeah, I mean, outside of just volume is really all he needs. I, I'd yeah. like to put him on ice and literally take him to Houston as is right now and, <laughs> and, and say that he's ready to go pitch yeah. the second or third game of the year. So, um, But he's been, a, he's been a nice surprise in the sense that he came uh, after a shortened season last year. He gets a good contract here. He wants to be with us. Uh, he's come out really sharp and, and with his high-end velocity. Most of the time, pitchers will start two, three, four miles an hour below what they normally throw at. Um, he has come actually a couple miles an hour higher than he normally throws at. So clearly the rest over the last season, he didn't throw a ton, freshened him up a little bit. He did his throwing program in the winter. Uh, he came as game-ready as any of our pitchers coming to camp. With Morton, and this is something me and Steve Sparks have talked about on the air when we watch him. I mean, obviously he's a great sinker which he can throw to both sides of the plate. He has the, the, the good breaking ball. But 
I guess the question that both Sparks and I have, I mean, you look at his numbers against lefties in his career and obviously not as good as they are against righties. What do you think he has to do in order to combat some left-handed hitters? Mostly his cutter. You know, he's got to be able to get inside on lefties in order to open up down and away. So, you know, very rarely do you like pitchers to throw down and away to, to left-handed hitters it with it goes right to their barrel if you're not yeah. executing perfectly it's a very dangerous pitch but um, with his type of movement his type of velocity i think he can he can handle that but uh, the only thing that combats that is the ability to, to back them up off the plate with a cutter or a fastball in he did that a little bit yesterday with dexter fowler um, he did it yesterday a little bit with some of their other left-handed hitters so um, that's a fine-tuning that he's doing this spring but uh, if he's healthy and, and throwing in the mid 90s, he's got a little bit more room for error. When you start creeping down towards 91, 92, uh, I don't want to say that's pedestrian, but that's sort yeah. of an average right-handed sinker slider guy is around right. that 91, 92 range. So uh, velocity is key for him, but the ability to get inside with a cutter or a four seamer is is paramount for him. Watching Joe Musgrove this spring, you know his first spring as a big leaguer. Uh, he was in big league camp before the first spring after having pitched in the big leagues and. It seems to me that he's gotten better with each outing, and he's faced the Mets in all of them, just coincidentally. <laughs> tomorrow will be somebody different. Yeah, but uh, it looks like, I mean, it seems like he's it's getting a little better each game. Have you seen that? He has. Yeah, he's getting more comfortable with himself. You know, th- I told him at the beginning of the camp, this is different for him. You know, the first the first uh, big, big league camp he was in, he's literally trying to make an impression. He's trying to get to know people. He's trying to see the program. He's brand new. He'll do anything right. uh, as asked upon him. When this camp, he's actually pitching for something. He's trying to make sure then cement his place in the in the rotation or even on the team. Uh, given a young guy with options, we can we can maneuver him around a little bit. Uh, so I've told him at the beginning of camp, you need to be one of the best five guys in order to break with us. And and he's a tremendous work guy. He's he, he understands what he does well. He's great command. If anything, we'd like him to throw more uh, perimeter pitches. Yeah. Maybe not pound the strike zone so much, which is maybe one of 13 pitchers we have on our team that we would say that to. Uh, but his he can execute any game plan that we ask. And the pitching on the margins is a little bit better for him. He throws a ton of strikes, so hitters come up there wanting to hit. Uh, but he's been impressive, especially given that he's had to face the same lineup over and over and over so far. I guess that's one of the things, I mean, with the complex being where it is. And, you know, you're going to see the Mets, the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Nationals, uh, over and over and over again, and that's a good thing. And I guess it can be a bad thing sometimes because yeah. you just wind up seeing I mean, the same our, guys. Our hitters over. don't like seeing Syndergaard and Degrom and, <laughs> and Scherzer and, and some of the boys with the pitching. But um, the, you know, the, the good news is for us. I mean, we're also the only American League team down here, so right. we're, we're going to use the DH throughout spring. The other managers are really good about it. Um, I don't want to see Keuchel or McCullers hit or Morton or any of these guys yeah. have to hit until interleague play, but. Um, you know, for us to be down here, we don't play in our division, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, they don't see us. We don't see them. It's pretty neutral. Uh, the fact that, that, that we're seeing the same guys over and over again um, is, is, more, is more inconvenient. Than, I would take that over the monster travel that we had yeah. the last couple of seasons in Kissimmee, uh, just given the, the taxing road trips that go on. Uh, you can give me the same players over and over again. Don't miss your chance to see the best players represent their country and compete in the World Baseball Classic going on now through March 22nd. Cheer on your favorite Astros players and Major League stars by getting your tickets today at worldbaseballclassic.com. We'll have more with Astros manager A.J. Hinch as Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, continues live from Duffy's Sports Grill of Clemanis in West Palm Beach and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Like they can the pitch. 
And McKinn drills this deep to right field. Granderson going back, and he will watch that one go. Over the Mets' bullpen, onto the walkway by the palm trees. Brian McCann goes deep for the first time this spring, and it's 2-1 to one Mets. When you look up and down the roster and you see the talent, there's only a couple teams I probably would have waved my no-trade for, and uh, Houston was right at the top of my list that I wanted to go to. Uh, to be able to play with the exciting talent they have on their roster uh, is what brought me here. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, coming to you once again live from Duffy's Sports Grill of Clematis down in downtown West Palm Beach. Hey, the Astros will be celebrating Jeff Bagwell's election into the Hall of Fame throughout 2017. A special five-game ticket package is now available. Package includes tickets to the Bagwell Hall of Fame weekend in August and access to exclusive Bagwell-themed giveaways. Visit astros.com slash Bagwell for more information. Robert Ford joined once again by Astros manager A.J. Hinch, and we just heard from Brian McCann, hit his first spring home run today against the Mets, uh, taking Jacob deGrom deep, and uh, heard him talk about you know, only a few teams he would have waived his no-trade clause for, and to the, getting McCann, I mean, that's that's a huge get, especially for this pitching staff. It was, and, and you know, obviously the we're so used to seeing Jason Castro catch, and obviously we're going to see him, we play the, the Twins here the next couple weeks, but... Um, you know, we had a void there where we really needed to find some presence, some leadership uh, with Jason leaving. So uh, nobody better than McCann. You know, this guy's caught he caught a lot of games. He's caught a lot of t- for a lot. You know, two organizations that uh, are expected to win. Um, he's enjoyed that. He did he did a lot of research on us to make sure that this was the right place for him and to bring his family. And and uh, he's been a joy, man. He's he is he's built the right way. He does everything right. He says the right things. He you know, we had an hour-long meeting this morning talking about uh, philosophy and pitch calling and, and about our pitching staff. It was uh, he, he is top shelf when it comes to, to, to setting the standards of what's needed to be behind the plate. And, and I would tell you the truth is I'm not easy on catchers. So I was, That was actually my next question, but could go on. Yeah, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not easy on these guys. I have a lot of expectations for this just given the position that I played. So, uh, but, but Brian McCann is, is as good as they get when it comes to behind the scenes and what uh, what the intangibles that you bring to the position, uh, I've been very pleased with him. I mean, being a former catcher, and a lot of managers are former catchers uh, in the big leagues now, and usually that's the case. I mean, it's got to be hard not to be hard on catchers because you know, you understand the value of that position. You know how much goes into it, and you know what you know how what yeah. a big difference it can make to have a really quality guy back there. Yeah, no doubt. I know that I know the good and the bad and the ugly when yeah. it comes to that position, and I, and I. You know, with, with that, I, I expect a lot out of our guys. That's what I mean. I'm hard on them. These guys are really uh, the field manager, so to speak, on, on the field or the game manager. And they uh, and we have to talk. We have to be in sync. He and I have to be in sync when it comes to uh, some critical things that happen. That there, there are only a few people on the field that have decision-making power, right? Right. Um, obviously, I set the bar with some of the decisions in-game. Our third-base coach, you know, sends or doesn't send guys at third base. And the next one is the catcher. This guy calls... You know, 100 to 150 to 200 pitches a night, depending on the night. Uh, that's a huge responsibility, and I and I and I take that to an extreme when it when it comes to what I expect out of him. When McCann was making the decision about whether to waive, waive his no trade clause, how involved were you? I know, I mean, obviously, you, I recruited the heck out of him. <laughs> I wanted him to come as involved as you could be. I right. Guess. No, the, and the Yankees were were great. We had permission to, you know, he could dig a little bit, we could dig a little bit. Yeah. Um, but 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 it, there's a there's a uh, 
There's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes on. When you have to check the makeup, you have to check what kind of teammate he is, you have to check for us. You know, we do so much diligence and work in the game planning side of things. So when you're bringing a 10-year veteran in, is he going to be open to information? Is he going to be open to suggestions? Is right. it his way or the highway? This guy's been calling pitches for over a decade for a lot of teams that expect to win. And so we needed to know that he was the perfect piece at the perfect time for this pitching staff, and, and, and clearly he was because he was our number one target. We went after him. How has the relationship been developing with McCann and all the pitchers? I mean, now he's, I mean, he's been catching quite a bit now, and, you know, he's matched up with, you know, he caught uh, McCullers today. He's caught Keuchel. I mean, and I know that's no accident because right. you want him to get no. to know all these guys that he's going to be catching all Yeah, day. he's going to catch Musgrove tomorrow, and we were giving yeah. him a chance to catch all these guys, but... Uh, let me tell you something. When we traded for him, I was on my way to a Houston Rockets game. I was in the in the in the back of a van, and we were going we were get, dri- driving down from the Woodlands. Uh, we make the trade, so obviously I'm going to call the player and and welcome him. And he was in a car with David Ross and Mark DeRosa, and he was on his way to David Ross's retirement party. Okay. And while he's on his way, so we're all going to have a fun time, right? We're gonna we're, I'm going to a basketball game. He's going to to a to a retirement party, and he could not stop talking about everything that he needed. Hopefully by the next day video on on our pitching staff uh, he wanted some things written from me on what i like and don't like he wanted the number of our pitching coach brent strom he, he wanted all of these things within the first 24 hours which hmm. doesn't seem like a lot when you're but but the given that it was i think it was in november that's yeah. not normal for for a player to be that locked in on wanting to start his homework and and uh it, it solidified my 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 happiness that that he was on board because of how you know curious he was Evan Gaddis, the other part of the catching tandem, and I say other part, he's certainly very important. And, you know, hit 32 home runs last year in a rather unique kind of hybrid catcher DH role. Uh, and I know he's always looking to improve defensively. He didn't catch for a full year his first year with the Astros in, in 2015. How's he progressed defensively? He's doing well. You know, he, the things he does well, he does really well. And then, and then his challenges are, you know, are the same, which are basically just built out of the physical nature of, of how he is. He's a big guy. Uh, who, who has to work to, 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 to be agile. Um, but he can receive well. He throws. He threw extraordinarily well last year. Uh, the pitchers like the big target. He really works well below the zone. He does have to work a little bit on the perimeters, on the, on the left side and the right side of the plate uh, to, to frame pitches a little bit better. But um, all in all, he's very invested. Um, he's a guy that keeps notes on the, in the dugout. He's going to make sure that, that he's locked in with the game, game, the, the game strategy and the, and the game plan that we have. Um, and so he, he, he and McCann work seamlessly. They played together in Atlanta, so right. they had a long history together. Uh, they sort of look alike. One's right-handed, yeah. one's left-handed. <laughs> uh, so there, there's, there's a lot of fun that, that, uh, camaraderie between those two that they already had. And then, you know, one thing the players will do, they'll talk to other players. So when McCann needs a question on, on some of the pitchers that, cut, that, uh, that Gaddis has caught, then he's right next to him at the locker room. How much do you buy into the whole pitch framing metric? That's become like the big buzzword for catchers. And how much of it is, say, that metric, and how much of it is the eye test for you? In other words, how much do the two match up in your right. opinion? Uh, you know, I buy into it in, in the fact that it's it's something we can measure. It's something that we can pay attention to. I, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. The umpire is part of it. The command of the pitcher is part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I more so want our, our catchers to, to consider it a big deal so they work every pitch. Like every pitch, you have a chance to present the pitch the best way you can. They're, you know, stealing strikes. I'm sure there's a few that that that, that you can angle your body a little bit. You can you can use your framing a little bit. It's got to be harder than it, ever to steal strikes. It now. is. It is, especially now with technology the way it is and the and the training that the umpires are going through. 
but the but the mentality that the catcher has to work on every pitch is real, and and we want our catchers to uh, to certainly not necessarily steal strikes, but we aren't going to take strikes away. So we're going to present every pitch possible. And you know, talking about Gaddis at the catcher spot, also have to talk about the DH spot because mm-hmm. that's a spot where I mean it's I mean it's a nice problem to have as a manager when you have a lot of options for for a few spots and. I mean, Gaddis, obviously, DH quite a bit last year, and his numbers are much better when he caught offensively for whatever reason. Uh, you know, Carlos Beltran, obviously, older player, going to be 40. He can't play every day in the field. I assume Brian McCann may see some time there. I know you like to give guys like Altuve and Correa a partial day off by, by right. DHing them. How do you plan on, on trying to juggle that? I think it starts with Beltran. You know, the more he can play in the outfield, the more that I can consider other, you know, other options. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can't play in the outfield as much as we want, then uh, we'll have to adjust accordingly to how much I play him and then and then where he fits in. But uh, Beltran sort of sets the standard there. He's going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, I do think in our ballpark he's going to be able to play left field fine. He wants to play in the outfield. I already played him in the outfield in spring training before he left. Um, he'll be fine out there. It's a matter of how much he can handle. Um, but, you know, when, when the, the, the reality of it is going to be whoever's playing well is going to get to hit. You yeah. Know? And I think that everybody knows that going in. You know, in a perfect world I could play Beltron uh, in left field, you know, 30, 40 games. I can play Gaddis behind the plate you know, 50 or 60 games, and that, that sort of divides up the, the DH spot. And, and there's even going to be games where Gaddis catches Beltrons in left, and I can DH George, or I can DH Jose, or Correa, or, or Gurriel, or, or whoever I want in order to give him a half a day off. And that, that makes a big difference over the course of a season, because, I mean, you look at last year, and we'll talk a little bit more about the lineup depth as we progress, but last year the, the depth of the lineup wasn't there. And, you know, after you got past the first three or four spots, you know, it was really hard for the team to score runs. But when you have that depth and you have several guys who are hitting, that makes it easier for you to, say, give George Springer a day off or DH him and put Marisnik out there or something like that when you have those options, which you didn't always have last year just because of the way guys perform. Yeah, no, one of, one of the more valuable players is Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah. And, and if he's used correctly, he's coming off the bench and spelling all of these guys. But what's happened the last couple of years, to his credit, he's performed well, but He's had to play every day, somewhere, usually at first base. First base has been a revolving door for us. So um, if Gurriel can, can, can hold down first base and I can use Marwin, then I will sit Altuve, I will sit Correa, I will sit Bregman uh, on a game on occasion and keep them fresh. Because the other thing that's happened the last couple of years is we haven't had great September performance out of our primary players. And in 2015, we had a nice September, but we had to, had to hold on for the playoff run. Right. In 2016... Uh, we ran out of gas. We also ran out of players. We just guys got hurt, and we, we weren't right. able to, to, to keep our team intact. So the strategy this season, if we're, if we're built right and Gaddis is on the bench a few times and Ioki's on the bench to spell some of the outfielders and Jake Marisnik's going to come off the bench a little bit, uh, Marwin Gonzalez is coming off the bench. So I, I have a way to mix and match a little bit to, uh, to keep guys fresh. Astros spring training is now in full motion. Catch all the excitement in West Palm Beach as the Astros make the brand-new ballpark of the Palm Beach as their spring training home. For tickets and more information, visit astros.com slash spring training. We'll have more on Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company with manager A.J. Hinch coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach, as we continue on the Houston Astros Radio Network. And on the mound for the Astros is Dallas Keuchel making his first appearance of the Grapefruit League schedule this year. Keuchel intentionally taking it slow in an individualized throwing program 
As Dallas did not pitch after August 27th last year, had shoulder inflammation. Change up, ground ball hit hard to Marvin Gonzalez, but he scoops it up and sidearms across for the third out of the inning. Can't ask for any more from what we've seen from Dallas Keuchel this afternoon. Just one hit in an outing, and that was a squibber down the line. He's walking off the mound right now, and I would imagine everybody pretty happy with what they saw. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Robert Ford coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill in Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach. And hey, don't forget, 2017 Astro season tickets are on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park, save money, and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call one 877 astros or visit astros.com slash season tickets to get your seats today. As we're joined once again by Astros manager A.J. Hinch and and just heard some highlights from Dallas Keuchel's first outing of the spring. Talked about uh, Dallas a little earlier. I want to talk to you a little bit more about, about the pitching side. And, you know, you have some some decisions to make. You know, we talked about Musgrove and Fires, obviously, are, are candidates for the rotation, probably, you know, in that fifth spot or what have you. Uh, you also have Chris Davinsky, who's been getting stretched out this spring. And I know you, you keep getting asked this question all <laughs> spring long. Is he going to start? Is he going to relieve so good out of the yeah. bullpen last year and was a starter uh, in the minor leagues before that, yeah, it's it's he's a hard one because he could do both, um, and when he can do both, it makes it a little hard to decide which one is the best fit. Um, so we're going with it based on our team. You know, uh, if our if our starting ro- rotation's intact, uh, it's probably best for our team if he's that troubleshooter guy in the middle of the bullpen, uh, could pitch anywhere from the fourth inning to the ninth inning, to be honest. So um, that that's if if our team's intact. The reason we're stretching him out is one, we're not quite sure that he couldn't be one of the best five pitchers. So we, that, we want to keep that that possibility. The second one is uh, if something ever happened, Dallas, Lance, Charlie comes off their in- injury, McHugh's being late. Um, obviously, Musgrove and Fires have been fine, but uh, we want to make sure we have all of our options open. So it's a tricky way of, of mentally for him. You know, he's he sort of breathes fire, and he, and he has this intensity about him, and, and he has the look and feel of a reliever, but he's got some pitches that can, that can, can predict that he'd be a pretty good starter. Um, so we'll know in the next week or so what what route we're leaning towards. Uh, we've already taken the start away from him. We're still pitching him two and three and four inning outings. But you know, we'll, uh, what I do know is that he's going to pitch important innings, and, and he's going to be an integral part. He's going to get 100-plus innings uh, regardless of his role. How much of a luxury was it last year and going into this year, too, if all goes according to plan, to have guys in your pen, Davinsky and Michael Feliz, who – can be, like you say, those troubleshooter guys. If your starter doesn't go deep or there's a fire you need to put out uh, in the fifth or sixth inning. I mean, that's to have one of those guys is huge, but to have two guys like that is, yeah. is significant. Feliz last year, he really saved you in quite a few extra inning oh, games. incredible. Uh, it's incredible with all the strikeouts. You know, these guys, yeah. not only do they do well, they punch guys out. And that, that's usually the, these guys, relievers are only noticed when, when they do something wrong. Yeah. Right? Like when they do something right, they just sort of move on to the next game. You get to go hit and, and you move on. But these guys, continued to put up zeros out of the pen and they were very valuable they were strikeouts because when i bring them in first and third or first and second or runner on second and two outs um, i'm putting them in jeopardy of giving up somebody else's runs and they they were really good about it so i, I love the fact that that uh that both of them embrace the 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 notion of their responsibility to not have any inherited run scored and they did it they did it at a high level now we talked earlier shifting gears here talking about the position player side of it you talked earlier about lineup depth and how big that was, and you know trading for Brian McCann 
signing Carlos Beltran as a free agent, signing Josh Reddick as a free agent, giving you a little bit more lineup depth. But it's not just the depth. I mean, these are these are really good players who can do other things for you besides what they do in the batter's box. Oh, sure. No, this is a, we have a real team, and that's the way we're in the point of our uh, of this build where we're expected to do a few things and. And you add that group to the core, the youth core of, of Altuve, of Bregman, of Correa, of Springer. Uh, now you sprinkle in a little bit of experience, a little bit of blend of left-handed, right-handedness. Yeah. Uh, the at-bat quality, I think, is going to be better this season than it was in the previous couple seasons with the contact rate, things like that. Um, that that's a that's a truly balanced order. And, and when you're talking about guys that, you know, Yuli Gurriel was one of the best players in Cuba for the last decade. He's going to probably bat ninth for us. Brian McCann is used to hitting third, fourth, or fifth for the New York Yankees. He's going to probably bat seventh or eighth for us. Uh, Evan Gaddis the same way. Nori Aoki, who who doesn't get a lot of love in in, a, in, a, in an off-season acquisition conversation, right. um, is is, a, is an integral part of, of our new identity of putting up better at bats. So, I think I think the combination of youth, the combination of experience. Uh, the blend of the left-handed, right-handedness. We're going to be a really difficult lineup. I think our, the starting pitcher that faces us can be pretty exhausted when he gets through our order um, if we do our job. You talk about Nori Aoki, and you're right. He, you know, wasn't exactly a sexy move compared to some of the others. You know, a waiver claim, and you know, I think a lot of people may not be aware of what, what he could bring to the table. A bit of a down year at times for him last year with Seattle, although he, he was better as the, as the year went on. But... Yeah, this is an Astros team that has piled up a lot of strikeouts over the last few years. A little better last year, but that's that's kind of been this team's identity. But that's starting to change, not just with him, but Brian McCann. You're talking about a guy who's hit yeah. 20 homers nine times. He's never struck out 100 times right. in a season. Yuli Gurriel, I mean, he's kind of a wild card, but he doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy right. who's, who's going to strike out a lot. And So you're starting to turn the tables a little bit and, and have more balance. It's okay to have some guys who are going to strike out, but you want to balance sure. it. Well, it's, it's interesting. Here's a good Ioki story for uh-huh. you. So we... We get Aoki, uh, and he comes into camp. He doesn't have very much time at all to, to play for us before the WBC. He's hitting third or fourth for the J- Japanese team. He's the only big leaguer that decided to say yes to the WBC for Japan. Uh, so he was in, in a lot of games early, or at least the first couple games, getting a lot of work, a lot of reps. Right. Wanted to get as many at-bats as he could before he flew to Japan. So uh, one of the things I said at the beginning of camp, I was so excited. We have a contact-driven left-handed hitter. One of the most impossible guys to strike out. So what's he doing his first spring training at bat? He strikes out. So I joked with our hitting coaches. I said, we've already taught him how to strike out. He's only been here for 24 hours. So um, there, there's a there's a love affair with the at-bats that, that Ioki puts up. And, and uh, you know, and I think he's, you know, we're probably about him ninth in, when he does get to play. And yeah. and, uh, and we'll be nice to have a guy on base and a, and a tough out before it gets back to Springer and Altuve and Bregman, those guys. Yuli Gurriel, biggest wild card on the team, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he's just, I mean, up until last summer was the biggest unknown. And right. he's only, now that he's got a, about a, a month and a half or two months into the big leagues, um, you know, we're learning more about him now, and he's changing positions. So um, I don't think any of us quite know what we have exactly other than we have one of the one of the most prolific Cuban players to come out of Cuba, and there's been some pretty good ones. And you mentioned, I mean, kind of a wild card, got to big leagues last year, signed last year by the Astros. And, and the transition over to first base. Now, he's played all over the infield in his career in Cuba. So uh, first base, I mean, it's not easy, but it's a little different than maybe some for some uh, somebody else. But how do you think that transition is going for him? It'll go fine. You know, it, it's a work in progress for him because of the footwork and some of the uh, the different plays that are asked out of the first baseman. But he's an infielder first. And so the, the handling of the glove, the balls in the dirt, the, the, the ground balls, those are all going to become natural to him. Some of the, the foot positioning, some of the responsibilities, cutoff man, uh, things like that, playing in in on the bunt quite a bit, or 
uh, in the shift for us, it's going to be a great advantage. We can play him over, but he, he's he's adapting very well. I think he's very comfortable this spring. Uh, he's got a home not too far from here, so he's mm-hmm. he's able to see his family. He's got uh, a great core of Latin players on this team. And you know, now that Beltran's here, we have Altuve, you have Correa, uh, Marwin Gonzalez is a great influence on these guys. So it's it's a it's a tightly knit group that, that he's not new at now. Uh, the simulation process, the signing process, I think the American baseball where we play every single day was different for him. So uh, he's got a ton of spirit. He's got a little bit a little bit a more outgoing personality than we than we saw last summer when he was brand new. Yeah, I even noticed that. Just you know, I got to do a Astros caravan event with him and. I was surprised. I mean, he was almost gregarious, he's and his like, English still yeah, isn't great. He's but uh, he's working too. He, he yeah. wants to, he wants to learn English and and have some conversations. But it's uh, uh, he's been a fun guy. Astros spring training baseball is always live with the MLB.com at bat mobile app. Customize at bat to feature the Astros and stay connected all spring with live scores and up to the moment news, stats, and much more. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Download MLB.com at bat today. We'll have more with Astros manager AJ Hinch as we continue with Astroline presented by Carbot Growing Company live from Duffy Sports Palermo of Clematis in West Palm Beach and on the Houston Astros radio network. This group of players will be committed to bringing a championship to this city. The fans deserve it. The people in the surrounding communities deserve it. Our players deserve it. But we've got to go earn it. We've got to go make sure that we do our part on the field to play winning baseball. Well, first of all, it's great having a manager who is, is can communicate a message like that so eloquently. You know, the guy has a degree in psychology from Stanford, and he's using it to its fullest extent. Our guys look committed. They look to be what what A.J. was hoping they would show up to be. These guys, they know we can win. They want to win, and I think they're going to expect to win. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis in West Palm Beach. Astros spring training home, joined once again by Astros Manager A.J. Hinch just heard some uh, clips from you and from Jeff Luno talking earlier this season about kind of the expectations for this season. And, you know, I, and, you know we, there was a media luncheon right before the team or before you left for spring training and, you know, the last chance for the media to talk to you in Houston before you go down to, to Florida. And um, I really like what you talked about, about the conversation you had at the end of the season with the team about mm-hmm. winning and the difference between – what was it expecting to win yeah. or being committed? Yeah, no, no. I mean, are you are you interested or are you being committed? You right. know, I mean, to, to me, this team, the next step for this team is going to be kind of next level preparation, right? So yeah. we go through, uh, and you you have to prepare for everything. And what you know, I, the way I told our team was, I, you know, I watched the Super Bowl in Houston, and and when New England won, on the basis of of two two point conversions that they had. Uh, late in the game, and they had to prepare for those all season, and they they didn't have to use them. They didn't use those plays the entire season. The players talked about it, the coach talked about it, Belichick talked about it, uh, and 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 but they had to prepare for it. And so, what I told our team is, I don't know what play is going to be the difference maker for us. So right. we have to prepare for all of them. And and if they're interested, and everybody's interested, but are they committed to it? Is is going the methodical 47 days in a row of preparation? We'll have to go back to it in the spring, in the in the, in the season occasionally, because uh, it takes a long season and a lot of effort and a lot of focus in order to to get where we want to get. And we have ingredients to do it. Now we got to put it together and, and go win. Everybody talks about leadership when it comes to well, not just sports, but anything. But I feel like it's one of the most misunderstood things in baseball, just because. I mean, look, 
you you know the fans aren't in the clubhouse. They're not in the dugout during games. You know, I mean, I'm you know the, as a broadcaster, media member, I'm around the team as much as as anybody can be. But I'm still there's still plenty of times right. when I'm not in there. How do you think leadership, and especially you know when you talk about you know getting McCann and getting Beltran, these are guys who have won, these are guys who have reputation as leaders. How do you see leadership manifest itself over the course of a long season in the dugout in the clubhouse? Well, you got to be consistent as a player to do it. You know, I, I think I think you I I don't think you can assign leadership roles. I mean, obviously everybody goes to the most service time, the guy that makes the most money, maybe right. the most successful, right? So. Um, that automatically goes to Altuve as getting the guy that 200 hits, or Beltron is the most experienced, makes the most money, or Dallas Keuchel has a, has a, has a nice contract, is the number one pitcher on our team. So there, those are those are obvious distinctions that guys expect those guys to have a little bit of presence. But what I've what I've learned in my in my years in the big leagues is they that the team has to develop that organically. It has to happen over time. There has to be somebody. Uh, there has to be moments. You have to experience things together as a group and then lean on each other, and, and you'll have right. moments that, that, that will elevate leaders. And uh, the good news for us is, you know, we have leaders throughout, sprinkled throughout, and they all do it in different ways. George Springer provides energy. Jose Altuve provides performance. You know, Carlos Beltran has a, has a regal presence about himself that, that just brings calmness to the, to the room. You know, I can already tell you Josh Reddick's going to be the Sunday morning get-ready-to-play guy. No question. Um, he's going to be Josh Reddick. He's going to be ready to go. So, you know, Dallas Keuchel and his preparation and Ken Giles and his intensity and Luke Gregerson and a little combination of intensity and preparation. So, you know, they all bring something a little different to the to the, to the mix. Um, whoever is the spokesperson, whoever is going to stand up in a meeting after I speak and, and, and give, you know, some sort of a player remark, um, I don't know who it's going to be. And I don't mind that I don't know who it's going to be because that happens over bus rides, plane rides, clubhouse time, games, wins, losses, uh, come from behind victories, things that things that contribute to the experiences that these players have together that, that define a team. Now, i got to ask you about Carlos Beltran because he's the one guy you've actually played with. Right. You played with him in Kansas City. Our careers went separately. You know, he, he went on to make millions. I went back and, and ended up being a manager, so you see the difference. There's still time for you to make <laughs> millions, AJ. Right. Don't you worry. That's but right. uh, but yeah, Beltron, you know, you guys were teammates 2001, 2002 with Kansas City. Beltron, right. he was already established big leaguer at that point. It was his third and fourth year in the majors. When you, what do you, what were your first impressions of Beltron? I mean, obviously, especially back then, I mean, Maybe the most gifted center fielder of his generation defensively and, and just, all you know, five-tool player. What were your first impressions of Beltron when you were a teammate? Uh, you know, he's not too dissimilar now, but I, I would tell you the first thing that you noticed was the athleticism. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah. And the gracefulness that he played the game. Uh, but to be honest with you, he was very uh, very neutral in emotions. He was very vanilla in his actions. He was, he was very stoic in his facial expressions. Like, there would be times where you wonder if he was having a good time, and he was just very methodical in getting through his day. Um, what, what, you know, in, back then, and you know, obviously being from Puerto Rico and, and not having been raised in the in the continental United States, um, he was there was di- there was a distance to him. And, and in reality, what you learned about him is there was a, there was an intensity to his focus. Like he watched everything, he paid attention to everything, he worked on everything. And, and over time, that's become a strength. So as a young player, he was a little bit standoffish. He was a little bit quiet. He was a little bit stoic. He was a little bit. He was graceful, yet, yet not the guy that was the dirtiest guy, you know, coming off the field. He played with such ease that was the, he got knocked on that a little bit. Now, as a 20-year veteran, those same characteristics are seen as a strength, and that's what we want him to pass on to Altuve and to Correa and to Bregman, 
guys that are in the infancy stage of their career. Uh, but but his personality and his attention to detail hasn't changed from from 1999, 2000 when I first met him uh, to now as his manager in 2017. That's that's pretty incredible. And I think with Beltran and McCann, it's an interesting dynamic too because these are two guys who have been through the ringer in New York. Mm-hmm. Beltran for both New York teams, right. McCann the last few years for the Yankees. And in Beltran's case, I mean, he was the guy when he signed with the Mets. Signed that huge free agent contract. Is a lot of Astros fans don't want to know about that. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, he was. I mean, he was the guy, and I mean, you know, he kind of got beat up by the media a little yeah. bit, and it, probably some unfair expectations in, in some ways because of the big contract. And he still produced uh, and had elite. really. He was an elite player. Oh yeah, in in those years. Uh, but how much do you think that that helps that they've been, you know, they've they've been in that pressure cooker, and it's not, no matter how hard the media right. may get in Houston, no matter how tough the fans may be, it doesn't top what they've already experienced in that regard. No, they've they've been through the the gauntlet of the big leagues. I mean, there is no tougher place to play than New York. I mean, I you know obviously Chicago is a difficult place, LA yeah. is a difficult place. The amount of attention that goes on in the Northeast, Boston, Philly, right? Uh, some of the some of the tougher media markets, but. Um, it's 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 just it's really pers- it brings perspective to a team. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to watch Correa grow up a little bit, Bregman grow up a little bit. Even Altuve is going to come out of his shell a little bit. Uh, there's just so much these guys can learn in order to uh, in order to be more more effective players. And you only learn that by by experience, right? You have yeah. to experience it and, and see it for yourself, and and then and then implement it in your everyday. But I've already seen, you know, Beltran hasn't been here for a couple of weeks with the WBC, but those first couple of weeks with him there, uh, people gravitate to him, and that's yeah. not by accident, and that's not by assignment. And, right. And that's earned over time and, and over consistent behavior that, that, that players believe in. All right. Don't have a whole lot of time left. A couple of rapid-fire questions okay. for you. Minor league call-ups. So Framber Valdez pitched today. Yep. Jack Mayfield Big played. Big fan of him. Yep. Okay. Who, the minor league call-ups you see, who's, who's jumped out to you? Uh, Valdez has, has been terrific, and we, you know, the depth in left-handed pitching has not been, been is not, is not really big for us. Right. Uh, he and Francis Martez probably have the, uh, the, the, the inside edge to being interesting as the year progresses. And uh, WBC worries you, yeah, or is it? Are you a fan? Worries a little light. Like I think it scares the daylights out of me. Like this, <laughs> every time you see a collision, I mean the Salvador Perez right, collision right. with the with the Royals catcher on catcher crime. Right. Um, that that bothers me. You know when Altuve didn't play last night, my phone started going crazy over whether or not he was okay. Right. He is okay. Um, you know Beltran obviously is playing. Correa is playing with incredible emotion. Yeah. Um, I like it for the experience they get. Um, I have requested them to return to Astros camp in the same position, same condition that I that I delivered them, which is completely healthy. <laughs> Always good to talk to you, AJ. Obviously, you and I will talk plenty as as the year progresses. But uh, a lot of excitement in Houston for this ball club. A lot of excitement down here at Spring Training West Palm Beach. And uh, thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to seeing what a 2017 brings. Me too. Should be a good year. It certainly should be. That'll just about do it for us here for Astroline. Like to thank everybody who made it possible. Studio producers Bob Elliott, producer engineers Matt Boltz. Thanks to all the great people here at Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis. Still have one more Astroline. It's coming up next Wednesday, the 22nd. Steve Sparks will be the host for that one. Guest to be determined. I'm Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis and on the Houston Astros Radio Network.